you would know that we are in a brand new series. Uh, it's going to take us all the way to September, so we're going to be in it in, uh, for a while. Uh, we're in the book of First Corinthians. Um, and like Steve kind of uh, brilliantly kind of introed us, uh, that this was a messy church. Uh, this really was a messy church. But the beautiful thing about God's grace is that it covers any kind of mess. That there's no mess that is beyond the grace of God. And we're going to see that through this entire series uh, that we've titled Messy Grace. And so he kind of did an overview last week of the church, what was going on. Uh, it was brilliant. Uh, his points of just saying, hey, listen, th- this was a real place. Corinth was a real place with real people and real issues, but uh, real grace that covers all of it. And so uh, this morning we're going to be in the, the kind of the first part of First Corinthians. It's really uh, the intro, and I've uh, simply titled it Greetings. Uh, it's Paul uh, just saying, hey, church in Corinth, how you guys doing? He's giving them a friendly greeting. And so uh, I only have two points for you this morning, and then hopefully I'll, I'll be out of your way. All right? And so like we do every Sunday, uh, I'm going to read the passage to you, and then I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for you. I ask that you pray for me, that God would do something more powerful than we could ever imagine right here this very morning. And so if you have your Bible or an electronic device, you can meet me in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to read uh, the first nine verses, uh, and I believe it'll be up on the screen as well. Hear these words of our Father. Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. Now, um, let me stop here and just make the point. I love the fact that Paul says it here, that he was, he's been called by God. That he doesn't show up on his own account, uh, but rather he's been called by God, that he himself is just a servant, a servant of God. Well, let's keep going. And our brother Sosthenes. Now, uh, Stephen kind of uh, mentioned him. He was in Acts chapter 18. He, he, Sosthenes was kind of the leader of the synagogue. Um, and what they were trying to do as Paul was coming in and preaching the gospel, uh, a bunch of people were like, listen, we, we need to stop Paul. We need to stop him from what he's doing. And so uh, Sosthenes was the leader, and he showed up and tried to get Paul in trouble, and it didn't work out. Uh, and so the mob, the angry mob, uh, they were now upset that their plan wasn't happening. And so they then turned to Sosthenes and tried, and they were beating him because they were like, listen, you are our leader, but yet you have failed to stop Paul. Now, I don't know if this is the same man, right? Uh, The scriptures aren't particularly clear about it. It could be a different Sosthenes because here Paul says, no, our brother, right? Because in Acts 18, it was uh, the leader of the synagogue who was trying to persecute Paul. But now here he says it's our brother. But some say, some say that, no, hold on, it is the same guy. It is the same guy because uh, they believe that he now has come to Christ, He now knows God because of the compassion that Paul showed him. Paul would do this often. Those who would persecute him, he would uh, respond in compassion. And and so many commentators uh, believe that, listen, upon seeing this and experiencing the compassion of Paul, he goes, you know what, maybe this Christ is real. Maybe this Jesus is real. And so then he gives his life to Christ. Let's keep reading verse Two, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. I love the fact that he calls them saints. 
we get to uh, stand this side of everything that's happened. And so we know that the church in Corinth was messy. There was a lot of bad things happening. But yet he intros the letter and calls them saints. Not uh, those who will become. No, no, no. You're already saints. Even though you live in messed up lives, you are saints. You are set apart because of what Jesus has done. But we'll get into that in a moment. I just wanted to highlight that. Verse 3, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him, in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Just that, as far as there, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is rich, that it continues to move, uh, that it transforms the individual lives of people. And so I, I ask now, I plead now that you would, you would do that here this very morning, uh, that you would meet us where we are, that you would be real to us, And so it's to that end that I ask that you would stand in my body, uh, think through my mind, speak through my vocal cords, those things you'd have us know, say, and do. May the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. You are our Redeemer. You are our King. Would you have your way in this place? We love you. We praise you. And would you show us through your word our desperate need for you? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I, I love how... Paul kind of intros this letter. Uh, Paul intros with a pastoral heart. What we see here is, is not Paul the PhD in doctrine, though that comes later. We don't see Paul the older brother, the, the guy who's like, listen, I, I am a church planter. I have established this church. You should be listening to me. No, that's not how he begins the letter. He intros with a pastoral heart. He, he writes to them and starts with compassion. Uh, to be clear, he, he's thankful. He's thankful. He says, hey, church in Corinth, this is what I'm thankful for when I think about you. When I think about you, the, the first things that come to mind is just a, a season of thankfulness. And we'll see here in a moment, he's, he's thankful for two things. With all the mess that was happening, he's thankful for two things. Look with me in verse 4. He says, I, I give thanks, but let's jump down a little bit, that in every way you were enriched in all speech and all knowledge. Jump down to verse 7. So that you are not lacking in any gift. And so he says, hey, church in Corinth, I'm, I'm super thankful that you have all this knowledge and that you have all these gifts so much gifts that, that there's nothing lacking. Now, now, I want us to pause for a moment. And I want us to be thinking about this the entire time as we navigate through First Corinthians. That, that yes, Paul was writing to the church in Corinth. But as we hear these words preached to us, I want them to act almost as a mirror. And for us to stand in front of these words and then to see ourselves. That Paul is not only writing to the church in Corinth, he's writing to us. 
to rooted fellowship to the church in Pretoria because I, I believe we're not that different from what was going on or who they were. Stephen told us last week that the, the city of Corinth was a, an affluent city. Many of the people that were there were highly educated. They had resources. It was considered a strategic city. I think Pretoria is the same. It's an affluent city. It has huge universities. It has resources. And so when we read these words, I, I want us to, to think about ourselves. Not just, don't just think for uh, the Christians or the church in, Corinthian, or in Corinth, but, but to think about us here at Rooted Fellowship. Because I believe that we have incredible knowledge. I also believe that we are incredibly gifted. Incredible knowledge, and we are incredibly gifted. If Paul was writing a letter to Rooted Fellowship, I believe he would start the same way. I give thanks for all the knowledge that you have and all the gifts that you have. Guys, I know that in this very room, there are folks who are doing master's degrees. Some are cooming them. PhDs. Some of you have, have these amazing jobs with, with these amazing titles, providing you all these amazing resources. But, but it's not just material stuff. There we have folks here who can sing, who can preach and teach, who can serve. We have folks in here that when they pray, man, things just happen. They just happen. It's like everyone flocks to them. It's like, hey, I got this prayer request, man, because I know, I know, can you, can you hook me up with uh, the man up above? Like, they're just incredibly gifted. But before we puff ourselves up, all right, before we puff ourselves up, we, we should look carefully at the words that surround all this knowledge and all this, these gifts. We should fill in the gaps. And so let me, let me read it in its entirety. Paul says, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in Him, in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Guys, I hope it's plain to you. I hope it's obvious to you that all the knowledge and, and all the gifts that they had, that they possessed, were given to them by God. It was all an, uh, an act of grace by God. That they couldn't stand up and go, you know what, all this that I have, it's because I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps. Paul was like, no, 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 no. Everything that you have, everything that you have belongs to God. We covered this in our Treasure Principles series where, where we said God looks to all of the world. He looks at everything that he created and he cries, mine. All of it is mine. The money that's in your account is mine. The degrees that are on your wall, they are mine. That title that you have at your place of work, it's mine. That idea that you just came up with is mine. What God is saying is, I am not only the creator of all things, but I'm the sustainer of all things. And so it leaves no room for us to walk in and go, you know what, man? 
This is amazing. I came up with it on my own. I'm the owner of it. I'm the be-all and end-all of it. Paul says, no, no, no. All of it is an act of grace. All of it is an act of grace. Even the gospel, verse 6, where he says, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, even this very gospel that you have is an act of grace by God. That you weren't just sitting there and going, you know what would be a really good idea? If Jesus comes down from heaven, what do you think? I think that's a phenomenal... Wait, wait, he should die on the cross. Yes, write that in. That all of it, all of it, all of it was an act of grace by God. All the knowledge that we have and all the gifts that we have, which are many, which are many, have been given to us by God. Now, if that's the case, right? If that's the case, if, if this church has all the knowledge and has all the gifts and, and, and all of it is anchored in Jesus, then, then why do we have 16 chapters where Paul basically goes, hey, listen, you guys are messing up. Right? You'd think, like, listen, if we've got all the knowledge and we've got all the gifts and we know it's all centered around Jesus, we should be good to go. Like, that should be enough. End of the letter. But there's 16 chapters and another book. That's how messy it was. Then, then, then why is that? Why is that? Here's the answer. And if you take notes, write this down. Because this is going to be kind of our theme as we walk through the book of Corinthians. Here's the answer. With all the knowledge and all the gifts that we have, why still have all this mess that we read about? Why still have all the mess that we experience here in the church? Here's why. You can be filled with incredible knowledge and possess incredible gifts, but still be deeply spiritually immature. Write that down. I'll give you time. You can be incredibly knowledgeable, incredibly knowledgeable, and be incredibly gifted but still be deeply, 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 deeply spiritually immature. And look, guys, there's nothing wrong with immaturity, right, on its own. And I know that there are places in the scripture where we are called to grow, where we are to move from milk to solids. We're, we're, we're called to grow. So, so yes, I can understand how you can go, well, immaturity is a bad thing and it is sinful. But, but on its own, it, it isn't that bad. When it's left in its own, in the corner by itself, it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. I mean, even Proverbs seventeen twenty eight says, even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he's deemed intelligent. So it's acknowledging that, listen, if you want to be immature, it's cool. Just sit there in the corner, be on your own. You're considered to be intelligent. But the reality is, that's not us. That's not us. I don't want to sit in the corner in my immaturity. I want the world to know about it. And so I come out to play. I come out to play. I bring my knowledge and my gifts, and I'm like, hey, guys, here's my immaturity. That is sinful. That is sinful. Let, maybe, let me explain it this way. Think of this as knowledge and gifts, right? It's pretty cool. 
Many of us are, are born with this. Maybe some of you have cried out to the Lord, would you grant me knowledge? Would you grant me these, these gifts or this specific gift? And so God, by his act of grace, he gives it to you. And so here we go. This is it, knowledge and gifts. And some of you, it's like, man, I don't just have this really cool sword because this is pretty impressive, right, guys? Let's be honest. Like, this is pretty impressive. But some of, y'all, some of y'all's gifts do this. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Huh? And some of y'all's do this. Huh? Huh? Some of you guys have gifts where, like, you're just walking and then all of a sudden, it lights up, makes really cool sounds. I really like the second one. I just want to, it's like you're in a battle. This is us. And look, there's nothing wrong with this knowledge or these gifts. There's nothing wrong with them. But where there is no wisdom, where there is no wisdom, there is spiritual immaturity. And so instead of hanging back in the corner and going, you know what, man, this is a God, this gift. But you know what? I'm not ready to wield this sword. And so I'm going to hang back and, and I'm going to look around and see who else has a sword like mine. And then I'll be like, hey, after the service, hey, can you, can you spend some time with me and help me figure out, like, how do I, how do I, do? like, God's given me this gift, but how do I, how do I handle this? We don't do that. We show up to church and we're like, hey, knowledge, leadership, leadership, prophecy, prophecy, right? And then we show up, healing, 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 right? This is what we do. This is what we do. You can have all the knowledge in the world. Sorry, man, I feel like I really stabbed you there, bro. Like I was having so much fun. I was just like, like my mind was going, stop, buddy, stop, stop. But the, the heart was not willing. You can have all the knowledge in the world and all the gifts in the world, but still be deeply, deeply, deeply spiritually immature. And that's why Paul writes the rest of this book. That's why he writes the second part of this book, because he's going, guys, you know the stuff. You know the stuff. You are incredibly gifted. And we're going to read about some of these gifts. Prophecy. Now it's freaking out some of you. But we'll chat about it, don't worry. Tongues, healing. But there's also gifts of leadership and administration. All of these are gifts. But when we, don't know, when we don't know how to use them, when we have no idea how to use them, and we just, we run up and we're just like, guys, this is me and this is incredible. That leads to sin. That always leads to sin. Paul is a great example of this, of a man who had incredible knowledge, incredible gifts, but was not, spiritually immature if you read paul's life you'll you'll see that he spent a long time just hanging out with more mature individuals going guys i've been given this gift this calling uh, uh, this knowledge but i need to hang out with guys who are a little bit more mature than i am i need to learn so that when i go out there i'm a tool for god's kingdom and not just wielding a sword wherever He's phenomenal at this. Um, there's this one place where he shows up because he was, man, Paul was phenomenal at preaching the gospel. 
Like that was just one of his gifts. He was a beast at it. And so he, he shows up to this one place and he realizes, oh, it's just Jews here. Um, so I need to be uh, careful about how I deliver this knowledge. And so when he preaches to them, he uses Old Testament scriptures because he's like, I know these guys would be well-versed in the Old Testament. And so let me pull from the Old Testament and, and kind of give it to them in a way that makes sense and that they understand it. Holy Spirit works in and through that and people come to faith. Then we're told when he's hanging out with Gentiles, these are people who don't know the scriptures. We're told he shows up in this one city and he, he looks at the statues and there's one that says to the unknown God and he, he goes, okay, how can I wield this knowledge and these gifts in a way that will honor the Lord? So he, he shows up and he goes, well, I can't talk about the Old Testament because they're just going to sit there and look at me like, what are you talking about? So he goes, I, I'll use a, a cultural thing that's happening to point you to Jesus. It was so amazing. I'm pretty sure guys were sitting there going, Yo, man, how did we just become Christians? Like, what just happened? Sadly, that's not us. You have all this Bible knowledge, and so you just show up. Hey, you know, the Bible says da da da. And People are looking at you like, wait, what? You wield your gifts and your knowledge, and you're like a child with a dangerous weapon. And that breeds sin it breeds sin and so I believe Paul is calling us to maturity he's saying listen you are knowledgeable and you are gifted and I will say it again rooted fellowship you are knowledgeable and you are gifted could they be more absolutely but we need to be called to maturity and so every time we walk through the book of 1 Corinthians, you're going to sit and you're going to listen. And you're going to go, mm, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know if I... That's a maturity issue. You know God says, love him with everything and love your neighbor. You know that. But when I harbor bitterness and anger and I don't want to forgive, that's a maturity issue. You need to bring that before the Lord. But let's keep going. Uh, Paul actually ends this, this section here um, with some confusing words. In, in verse 8, he says, who will sustain, he's talking about Jesus, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now that, that should be confusing to you uh, with the picture that we've painted last week and this week that this church was messy. This church was full of sin, but yet Paul writes here, um, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless. It's like, wait, no, man, if we're messy, then surely we're guilty, right? Like, Paul, why are you calling us guiltless? See, I believe Paul is not talking about our functionality as Christians, our time here on earth. No, 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 no. Paul, Paul is talking about our positional standing. He's talking about our identity in Christ, that if you're a Christian here, if you've crossed the line of faith, if you look to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then your identity changes. You move from being guilty to guiltless. You're now wrapped in the holiness of Jesus. And that is how God sees you. That is your positional standing. And that is what you are to live from. See, part of the problem is that many of us, we, we go, yes, I'm saved and I know who Jesus is and he's changed my identity, but we don't live out of that. We take our eyes off Jesus. 
And then we continue to pursue the things that we've just turned away from. Success, satisfaction, relationships, chocolate. Kind of always forget that one. Like some of us, we run to food hoping to find satisfaction in them. And so we're quick to call out the guy or the girl who's on her computer or on his computer looking at images that he shouldn't be looking at, hoping to find fulfillment in relationships there. But we say nothing about those who run to food looking for the same fulfillment and satisfaction. But if you're a Christian, you've turned from that. Your identity is now in Christ and that you are to live from that place, from that position, guiltless. See, part of our identity problem is that if you knew whose you were, you'd know who you are. I'll say that again. If you knew whose you were, you would know who you are. That's poor English, but it's great theology. <laughs> if, you, if you know that you belong to God, then you know who you are allowing you to live from that place as a child of God, as one who has a seat around the table, no longer an orphan, as one who now lives in the light and no longer the darkness. And so Paul reminds them, he says, guys, we're going to get into some really sticky stuff. I'm going to call you out on your immaturity. I'm going to call you out on your sin. But I want you to remember this, that your identity is in Christ And that's because we have a good, 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 good father who loves us, who doesn't want to leave you where you are, but calls you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. And that he will sustain you. Paul writes that he will sustain you. God not only saves you, but he will sustain you. He'll keep you. I know it's tough. For for many of you, you're thinking, you know what, I'm at the end of my rope. God is saying, in Jesus, the rope continues. The rope continues. The world wants you to know that that you've come to the end, but it continues. Just continue to walk. I'm at at the ledge. Like, there are no more steps. God says, no, continue. I will carry you. I will sustain you because you are my child. I love you. I love you more than you could ever imagine. How do we know this? The cross. The cross was a display of God's love and grace to us. And so that is something that we've got to remember as we navigate through 1 Corinthians. Because guys, it's, re- it's going to get sticky. I promise you, it's going to get sticky. It's going to get uncomfortable. But I want you to remember that if you've crossed the line of faith, God will sustain you. He'll keep you. He loves you. And, and we're called to, to remind one another of this. We're called to remind one another of this by gathering together, by having God's word preached to us. But, but another way that we remind one another is, is communion. It's communion. Jesus actually, he, he tells us that, that we're to do this in remembrance of him. To remember the sacrifice that he made for us so that we might become children of God. And so that's something that we do here at Rooted Fellowship. We practice communion because we are forgetful people. You will walk out of here and Wednesday you will start turning to things that God says, listen, they will not give you life. I I know. I know. And the reason that I know is because I do it. And so I need to be reminded. 
And so we partake in communion together to remind one another that, hey, family, you don't have to live this way. You can fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who loves you enough to pluck you from darkness into light and then to keep you, to keep you until he returns and makes all things new. And so in a moment, we're going we're gonna to partake in communion together. But, but before we do that, I want us to pause and reflect. I do this every time because we live busy lives. We live lives that are at 200 kilometers per hour. And so it's so easy for us to go, oh, it's communion time, let me get up quickly, get the bread, shot of wine, good to go. But I want us to pause for a moment and reflect and ask ourselves this question, where are we? Where are you? Where are you? Are you living out of your identity? Or are you anxious and worried? Are you angry? Are you bitter? Are you filled with guilt and shame? Are you comfortable right now, right now, for for us to display your life here on the screen? And go, hey, you can follow that. If not, I want you to know that God is saying, it's okay. It's okay. Because I still have you. I still love you. My grace will still be poured over you. And so I'm going to pray for us, but, but while I'm praying, sit and think about it. Where are you? Is there a relationship that needs to be restored? Is there a, an act that you have been committing that, that you need to bring to God and say, God, I, I can't keep doing this. And that might have been six months ago. That might have been three months ago. That might have been last night. You don't have to do it with anyone else. You can just silently sit there and go, Lord, I, I've fallen short. I've trusted in things that cannot give me life. And I'm in desperate need of you. But the amazing thing about communion is that even if you're not a Christian, right? If you're not a Christian here this morning, it's an invitation. It's an invitation for you to go, you know what? I've been on a journey. I know I'm not a Christian. I know I'm not a child of God. But but God, maybe today is the day. Maybe today is the day that I give my life to you. And look, I, I don't have everything together. I don't have all the, the, the T's crossed and, and the I's dotted. But, but what I do know is that I want to give my life to you. I no longer want to run after all these different things because they always leave me empty. It's an invitation to you to come to the Father so that you can begin to start partaking in this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing that has been done for us. But lastly, if, if you're not a Christian and, and you're not at that place yet, then there's no need for you to partake. But I want to challenge you and go, the things that you are holding on to, are they really giving you life? Are they really satisfying you? Be honest with yourself. Are they really satisfying you? And so I'm going to pray, and, and some music will play in the background, and, and I want you in your own time to, to go to the back and and to those who want to partake, to partake in communion, the, the bread and the wine, and I believe there's juice as well uh, for those who don't drink wine, to partake and to, to remember this sacrifice that was made for us. And so before Jesus made his way to the cross, he took the bread, lifted it up and gave thanks and said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
In the same way, he took the cup, lifted it, and gave thanks and said, this is the blood of the new covenant. This is what will wash you and make you clean again. Do this in remembrance of me. And so, Father, we, we come to you with those very words that are true. That are true. That say that we can come to you broken. And that your arms are wide open, ready to receive us. And so I pray for all of us, myself included, that, that we're wrestling with so much that, that with everything that's happening in the world that we live in, we're tempted to run to all these different things, hoping that they will be our solution, but, but they leave us empty. And so, Lord, I, I'm asking that you would make it clear to us that we need you and you alone. And so for some this morning, it might be repenting again, confessing again, turning again. For some, it might be for the very first time. I know that for both of them, heaven celebrates, celebrates, because we are like those children coming back home to sit at the table where food has been prepared for us by a loving Father. And so, Lord, meet us where we are. Let your spirit lead. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen.